Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of Pacific Talks Season 2. I'm your host Philippe and in this podcast I engage in active conversations with my guests to talk about global challenges through a Pacific perspective. Today I'm very excited to share with you a special episode. Today we're talking and sharing music. For this episode I went to have an open conversation with Edwina Flock, a social entrepreneur, activist and the founder of the Environmental Music Prize. Edwina is from Australia and has dedicated a career to promoting and bringing to our attention all the musical creativity that cares for our planet and our future. And as a bonus, at the end of this episode, you'll be able to listen to one of the songs that made it to the final, Tautama, a song written by Vaiteni, a band from my home island, Tahiti, and performed with other bands from different islands. So now, on to my conversation with Edwina before letting you enjoy this amazing song. Edwina, hello and uh, Yarana, welcome to the Pacific Talks. Yarana, uh, thank you very much for having me, Philip. Uh, so just to open up our discussion, uh, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story for our listeners. Sure. So my name is Edwina Flock. Uh, I'm the founder of the Environmental Music Prize. Um, my my backstory, I guess, is somewhat linked uh, to to your podcast. Uh, I'm half Australian, half French, and uh, I was actually conceived in Tahiti where my parents got married. So I have a strong link to the Pacific Islands. It's very much kind of part of my family history. My father also lived there in his teenage years. So I grew up with uh, lots of Tahitian artifacts and uh, pareo and things like that at home. Uh, and so I, I feel uh, I feel very... Um, a close connection to, to, to the Pacific and Tahiti and uh, places like that. And I'm, yeah, obviously share the French culture as well. Yeah. And so I guess the, the Tahitian connection makes you also very close to music and, uh, and all those forms of, of expressions as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely we had uh, actually Tahitian albums and things we would listen to. My father would play when I was a child at home. So I even uh, my parents <laughs> won some dance competitions doing the tamure, <laughs> so yeah. I that's part of the of the Tahitian uh, musical culture, mm. and uh, and and yes, I mean I think I think it's not just Pacific Islanders that have a connection to music. I, I think it's a pretty global uh, thing, and you know, really yeah. part of human part of human um, uh, existence and, and culture. And that's true. Uh, so you said you're the organizer of uh, the Environmental Music Prize. So what what led you uh, to create this uh, this event? Uh, what what came to your mind? How did your life brought you there to create this event? Uh, a few things. So I think uh, uh, as a child, my dad was an expat, and we moved around. We lived in a quite a few different countries. So Yemen, Nepal, Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, and so when we moved to Australia. When I was eight, I think I was already very conscious that the world was a big place with lots of fantastic opportunities, but also lots of big problems. So I've always been really fascinated 
by kind of the global picture and I studied, I did my master's in international relations at Sciences Po and um, then went on and did marketing and investing and entrepreneurship, but I was always really interested in, in social impact. So um, about five about five years ago, I started working at Documentary Australia Foundation um, and I worked there for three years. I was really interested in the social impact model of using a documentary as a as essentially a tool for social change. And, you know, there's the film in and of itself, but that can also be used if it has a, a clear kind of impact goal and impact strategy, it can actually be used to activate people through, you know, educating them, but also kind of connecting with them emotionally so that they understand an issue and care about it and then lead them on a pathway to action. And when that's paired up with um, NGO partners and things who use the film, it can actually lead to people actually taking concrete steps and actions uh, and so to real-world impact. And I was really interested in that model and in the fact that it was really scalable because, you know, obviously millions of people can see a film and I think, you know, a big part of the environmental wave we've seen in recent years has been probably informed by by environmental documentaries uh, as well as obviously all the all the scientific reports and things. But I think the thing that activates people is probably you know, they, they read the report, but it's not until they watch the documentary or, or um, you know, a report on the news and things like that and they actually visually see what's happening that they are maybe, like, you know, emotionally compelled to care about the issue or um, take action. And so uh, I'm also part of a group called Nexus, which is the largest group of young philanthropists in the world, and we were organising a social change summit last year and I got to interview Jane Goodall and uh, some other climate leaders and um, I thought okay how do we create a really immersive experience for this part that's online I want to play some documentary environmental documentary trailers and then I'll play some music videos and that will really you know emotionally prime people for these really important discussions that we're going to have and so I had no shortage of great environmental uh, you know trailers and things like that from from movies and I typed environmental music and um, I fell on some Earth Day playlists and they referenced you know some fairly old songs like songs mm. by the Beatles and a song by Michael Jackson and Saltwater by John Lennon and you know a, a few others and I was like this is crazy most of these songs are written more than 20 years ago we're in the middle of a climate crisis there's obviously like you know vast volumes of music being created at the moment uh, and why why is there not more contemporary music being referenced here? So uh, I continued looking and, of course, I found some fantastic uh, songs, but it was actually really hard to, to find them and they were relatively few. Um, and I thought, oh, it's just me, you know, I must be, I must be completely out of touch. I'm, I'm missing something. There must be this massive body of, like, fantastic, not just kind of music by, you know, what is perceived to be, like, greeny artists, but you know, there must be all this other music that also touches on this issue. So I started with Green Music Australia. That's the charity that is is based in Australia and is um, working around making the music industry more sustainable. And the CEO was like, no, you're right. There's It's really, really niche. Unfortunately, like artists are not really um, creating that much music on these themes. And they did a bit of research on there's a really, really popular um 
in music competition in Australia called Triple J's Hottest 100, where three million they receive three million votes a year of you know what are the kind of top songs of the year, and mm. uh, people get really involved in it. And so obviously it's not it's not reflective of everything, but it's a pretty good barometer. And they looked back over the last five years, and there was only one percent of songs that actually referenced environmental issues. Wow. So that is a crazy statistic considering mm. that seventy five percent of Australians are concerned about climate change. So it's a 75 times disconnect. Um, and so, you know, we, we'd had a few discussions. It seems there's a bit of like a supply issue and there's also a demand issue. Like artists were like, we want to create this music. We actually feel really passionate about it. But when we do, we often feel like, you know, it doesn't really get supported either through the music industry or it doesn't get picked up by the media. And there was like a little bit of disappointment on the artist side that, they would put their, you know, effort into what were really kind of um, uh, emotional and important projects for them and they felt that it wasn't really um, acknowledged or rewarded mm. sufficiently. And uh, and so I uh, decided to quit my job. I put forward the $20,000 to um, kickstart the prize and so the Environmental Music Prize is a uh, $20,000 Australian dollar uh, prize mm. that aims to amplify the voices of artists who inspire action for climate and conservation. And the uniqueness of the prize design is it needs to be a finished product and it mm. needs to be a music video. So coming back to my origin story about really believing in the power yeah. of documentary, I think like that that visual power um, is really important. Mm. But also when you have the the song, the lyrics, you know, I think a music video is a really powerful combo of um music and film and it packs a concise and emotional emotional punch and you can also add you know messages and text and lots of other things with it so um so during the UN climate summit last year uh we announced the prize um as a call to action for artists to submit their music videos um, that, that, you know, celebrated nature or encouraged us to defend it. And, um, and we received over 200 applications from all around Australia. So year one was focused on Australia and in subsequent years we'll do an international um, prize. Mm -hmm. but, um, but there was a really, you know, fantastic diversity of artists in terms of age in terms of musical style in terms of you know where they lived what their background was I I got a lot of data through the application process so you know all the different um you know cultural backgrounds that obviously make up our multicultural nation there were like 58 different cultural backgrounds that were represented from like Filipino to Danish to Maori to you know uh, Chinese, and so it was a really wonderful melting pot already of um, cultures and ideas. Nice. And then, uh, I have to say, um, and and I don't know if you had that many similar reactions as mine, but when I discovered the prize, I kind of like I never thought about it before. But when I heard about the prize, I was like, yeah, obviously it makes sense. We need music to talk about climate change the same way that we have. We can name so many songs about social issues, political issues, and, and all that. Uh, so what was the reaction of, of the public, of the audience, 
uh, about your price? Were they pretty much like me? Like, yeah, it makes sense, but I never thought about it. Or, or was it already like something that many people were looking for as you did uh, on your own? Uh, absolutely. I have to say the, the reactions have been like overwhelmingly, uh, like massively positive. So, um, which has been the thing that, you know, has sustained me through, uh, through this, through this year and sure. like doing it, doing it, just knowing that, um, I was on the right track and most importantly, the, I mean, for me, the, the star benefactor of this needs to be the environmental movement and the fact that uh, very early on some highly respected people uh, jumped on board to, you know, answer and encourage me straight away was was a big one. So I wrote, um, I, when I, you know, had my first little concept deck, I wrote to Peter Garrett, the um, lead singer of Midnight Oil, who mm. has not only been like a, a massive environmental advocate and and obviously has this mythical band that's done many environmental songs, but he was actually the environmental minister of Australia under the Labor Party um, many years back. And uh, he wrote back straight away and said, look, I don't have time to be involved, but this is a great idea. You should definitely do it. So I kind of felt like God had spoken and <laughs> I should definitely keep going. And the CEO of Greenpeace as well, um, you know, responded to my message straight away and uh you know within a week we had a meeting and he was like yes you should definitely do this we want to partner with you so um that was that was very very strong confirmation in terms of the public people are really excited um and obviously you know at the end we've got 24 songs we've highlighted there have been so many more we would have liked mm. to um, but I think people like that curation element of like, okay, now we can go to this place, we can discover new music that's very diverse. So everyone's not going to like everything, but you can kind of self-select. We've created playlists and things like that. So people can go on to Spotify or Apple Music and, you know, handpick the songs that resonate with them and then find others and continue building kind of a playlist that inspires them and mm. um, makes them want to, you know, matches their their palette of feelings and I think um I think it's really important we have that as well because I think when people first think about like you know environmental music they're thinking about a protest song yeah and obviously there's that element of like you need those songs about like the anger and the frustration but you also need songs that are sad or hopeful or joyous or you know and I think as as the climate issues get um, ever more present, we're all going to go through like emotional waves of, you know, hope and determination and despair. And so we kind of need songs that match those moments and mm. uh, and that kind of emotional breadth. That's true. Uh, I have many questions uh, to ask you, but let's let's keep focusing on the on the price itself right now. And and that was and you actually started to answer that, but. Uh, what was your biggest surprise about the songs that you received for this competition and, and overall were they more positive, optimistic or or really like more call to actions or, or maybe rage or anger? Like what was the overall dynamic or the overall motivation of artists uh, who participated in the prize? Look, everyone was hugely, everyone was hugely, hugely motivated. So, I mean, obviously the, they they're the ones that care the ones that didn't apply uh were were less were less uh motivated but everyone who applied was really um very i mean 
they, they weren't just motivated to apply for the prize. They were motivated to go yeah. out in their own time, write this song. The, the song. Most of the songs already existed. So these people had, before the prize existed, been motivated enough to write a song, go out, you know, make a music video, offer their own cost and things because it's expensive to make a music video and, you know, that there's not necessarily the return on investment yeah. for the artist. So the fact that they went to that effort in the first place, uh, you know, indicates a very strong, you know, commitment and motivation. And then um, I, as part of the application process, they were also asked, like, why did you write this song? And, you know, what are the environmental issues that you care about? So we have a yeah. lot of, we have a lot of data around each of those and we've actually for each of the songs when your listeners go to the podcast uh, go to the website they'll see there's all of the songs kind of highlighted on the home page but each uh, song and artist has its own dedicated page with about the artist why they wrote the song and the environmental organizations that they personally uh, support so mm. I see so basically what your uh, action what your prize did was to really help highlighting the fact that there are some songs about the environment, many specific causes or many specific calls to action that just maybe people didn't look for or didn't think that they existed? Yeah, I mean, the, obviously this music exists out there and, you know, some artists are like fully focused on those things and like that's kind of their whole collection of body of work and others, you know, do more pop stuff and they have like one song. Uh, it, it was just a it was a bit of a disparate group. Like, as you said, environmental music is not really a, a title or a genre mm. yet. And so um, it was kind of hard to locate these songs. Like, you know, people would make playlists or there, there are some great playlists out there that I've discovered, but it was often people kind of going through and like picking and, and finding that. So, I mean, I guess one of the benefits of the prize is, is that discovery element, but I think more so for me, um, you know, like in the in the in the call to action about inspiring artists to use their voice. Part of it is about getting them to create more songs about these issues, and but it's also about becoming more vocal on and off stage. So we're also providing climate leadership training, and um, you know, high level connections to in the environmental movement, so that the artists can feel educated and empowered to start. Um, you know a having an informed opinion when they talk about it and also feel feel more confident to um i guess become climate advocates in a certain way um but with a mes message that's clear and concise and accurate because i think you know we all feel a little bit um overwhelmed by the content by the by the amount of information out there and what is the best um, what is the most? What are the most recent statistics? What's accurate? You know, it's hard for artists. Um, they're in the they're in the limelight. If they take a visible stance on something, mm. they could get attacked or trolled or criticized. And so, I guess also by having a prize and having a number of artists, they're all stepping forward together and saying, "We care about these issues. We like help them with like very clear, um, accurate messaging that is backed by the environmental movement." And not just one organization, but many organizations. So it's very like a consensus uh, opinion that they can safely come out and say together. And so I think that's a much stronger message as well for the um, for the uh, recipient mm -hmm. who's not being bombarded with a 
with a flow of like many different message, contradictory messages, but one global message of, you know, these things are important, we need to take action. And so I think um, in the lead up to the election, there were obviously the songs, there were a number of different campaigns going on. And I think the overarching message in Australia, obviously we just had an election a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. was, Indeed. you know, vote if you care change, about... Big change, big if you, if you care about these issues, then then consider it when you're making big decisions, like mm-hmm. voting. And, uh, and we saw that reflected in the result uh, with climate being really the number one issue that people were voting for. So you were saying that when you started looking for environmental songs, you found some that were quite old already. And and talking about that, it made me think about the whole movement that happened in the 60s and 70s. And you can think about Woodstock and all those artists who became somehow leaders of the big social changes that the world went through in the 60s and 70s, anti-Vietnam War, um, all, the, all those movements. Do you think... Uh, as you went through your your project, do you think that this is something that maybe we lack as of today when we talk about climate change? We don't have those figures, those uh, popular figures, actually, that are the voice of the people in the fight against climate change and all the interests that are trying to prevent actions or limit actions and and, and all this. So... Yes and no. Um, so there's definitely not the, you know, it was almost like the the music of the 60s and 70s was like protest environmental music and yeah, in, in general as like the, the overarching kind of thing of that decade. So mm-hmm. I don't think we have that now. Um, I think a lot of music is not at all that in, in today's market, but obviously there are artists out there um, really actively using their voice for a whole range of different um, uh, social issues, you know, Global Citizen does big concerts for for poverty or climate. People like Bono have been very active. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. lots of great Australian artists like, you know, John Butler and Montaigne, who's actually our um, ambassador, who are really really involved uh, in the environmental movement and and use their voice a lot to activate um, and there's hundreds of, of those artists, so I don't want to at all uh, say that they don't exist or, or discredit the work. But I thought um, after the bushfires, actually, there was a big benefit concert um, called the, like, you know, bush, there were a few bushfire concerts, but there was one called, like, the Climate and, and, uh, Climate and Bushfire uh, concert and some wonderful Australian artists generously stepped up and, you know, performed for free and raised, like, $2 million for for the bushfire effort and, and for um, climate change charities and things like that. But I was re- when you look at the concert, most of those songs aren't anything about the environment. So I guess part of the prize is saying how can we have not just the well-meaning artists using their voice but also songs that are actually about the issue that they're trying to um, defend. And same for global citizen concerts, like, you know, all the – superstars come and do their song and which is great and like I'm not saying every song should be about the environment but I think we need a higher percentage given the fact that it's going to become something that's uh very present and it doesn't always need to be negative you know when I first started this I was trying to encourage people to think as well about the positive 
uh, element. It doesn't need to all be, you know, climate change is happening, we're all doomed. It could also be music about, and, you know, I'm sure there are many Tahitian and, and Pacific Islander songs about swimming swimming with a whale and mm. uh, any other kind of connection to, connection to nature and um, just, you know, reminding us of the spectacular world we live and the, you know, the fragile ecosystems we all need to defend. Mm. So, so I'm gonna uh, dig dig up on that and and continue what you you just said. Uh, I remember a few years ago watching this video of a Hawaiian academic saying that the problem with climate change is that we are living it, and so it's very hard to tell the story of something that you are in the moment living. And he said we have to tell the story as we are living it, and that can be like stories of good things and bad things. Uh, and, and indeed, in the Pacific, we have sort of songs about uh, uh, how nature is beautiful in the, in the islands and, and all that. So is it that we have artists that are activists for the environment, but is it just that we're missing telling stories through the media of music about the environment? And, and how can this be more of a popular thing, like how can artists be encouraged there is your price obviously but but is there any other way that people who listen to us right now can say yeah maybe this can be a way to uh, promote the stories that we need in order to raise awareness yeah. about climate change completely so these songs and these stories exist but probably like they're they're not being um amplified enough by mainstream media and you know the radio stations and the the tastemakers in um, popular culture. So obviously there's this vast body of super committed artists who are there playing their guitar or whatever, like singing about nature, but like they're not the ones making it into the pop charts and things. So I think there's, um, you know, and why I've put, I could have just created, we could have just created a prize with just like, you know, an honorific title. I think it's really important to, in in our society, we we value things through money. Like, you know, you want a house, you buy it. You want someone to work with you, you pay them. And if we want people to do this important work, we need to reward that work. Artists also need to, to live and and uh, things. And so, A, I think there needs to be, like, more reward and financial incentive for creating that music. There also needs, needs to be a bigger platform. Um, uh, and... And so for me, I see that all, like, I see that all through, um, you know, reach and scales about partnerships and, and um, being with the right people. So I'm in discussions with, with some big media groups and, and different uh, social media platforms and things like that. They're, some of them are quite interested in this uh, concept. Everything, everyone kind of instantly gets it and, and senses the urgency and also that it's in the zeitgeist, like it's in the current trend of what needs to happen and so hopefully we'll start to carve out a bit more space for these artists to kind of rise to the top more and uh, more opportunities for them to have the light shone on them because yeah it's all been happening a little bit you know in a niche or on the fringe and it needs to be pushed into the onto the main stage yeah and so we can just hope that one of those artists become the next we are now the next big uh sensation in terms of of, of music um, i mean there are big artists doing it now like you know massive attack is a huge environmental advocates they've done a i really encourage everyone to look at 
um, they did a collaboration with Christiana Figueres around mm. climate change, but they also, they were trying to put on a climate um, concert um, in the lead up to COVID and they realised, you know, you actually need to work at the city level. So they partnered with the City of Manchester and the Tyndall Research Centre. They produced like a seven-minute video around how you would create a sustainable concert. Um, there's fantastic... Uh, one of the entrants for the Environmental Music Prize is called In Hearts Wake. They're a heavy metal band. And they're actually the first carbon neutral band in the world. And so, you know, yeah. And they've just created a fantastic documentary called Green is the New Black. And it's about their, their um, yeah, it's about their, their journey as uh, eco-activists that obviously, you know, it's even stronger coming from a heavy metal band that you don't traditionally associate with, with eco values um, uh, than than if it was coming from like a, a very kind of you know folk a, a folk singer or something like that you're like oh yeah of course you're a greenie that's mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of part of your genre and so um, you know they kind of show how they they got uh, eco consultant in or that they call their their green accountant and uh, their earth accountant who like measured all and tracked all their impact and. And how they've become a, a carbon neutral band, even creating the first uh, range of non-plastic vinyls for their fans to be able to buy. So um, there's lots of exciting things happening. Coldplay as well, Billie Eilish, you know, Aurora. There's lots of wonderful um, artists who are, who are really active. Mm. And, and so looking at, at what's happening right now, uh, what do you think or what do you envision the next steps or the next... Uh, project for your prize would be would it be like a uh, rewarding artists who have like this kind of uh, of management uh, kind of like carbon uh, neutral concerts uh, I, I think uh, Coldplay did something like that recently or tried to do it like what can what can you envision to give even more voice to those kind of actions through your project uh, the environmental music prize Look, firstly, I think there's endless possibilities. There's also other great people doing uh, amazing work in this space and great organisations like, you know, Green Music Australia or um, uh, Music Declares Emergency. Uh, there's an organisation in the States called Reverb. So I think uh, just, I guess, at the moment, my project for the most part of this year has just been me by myself working with a lot of <laughs> encouragement, a lot of encouragement by um, by some fantastic, really intelligent people who are my strategic advisors. But um, definitely uh, having self-funded largely to this date and now getting a little bit of philanthropic support, I'm also very conscious of like what is what is the core mission, what is what is achievable and also what are other excellent um, groups doing out there? And so not trying to do everything, just trying to fit in the niche that needs to be filled. And so I see that for the moment as being the prize. And then obviously we would love to collaborate with people doing like, you know, eco-friendly concerts or other um, other events or initiatives, but um, already to, I guess, to grow the prize in Australia, but also to potentially launch a, a global prize. That's the, that's the ambition for the next one. Um, I'm actually a little bit terrified about that because I know that there's like thousands and thousands of artists out there who are dying for this. So it's, uh, I think the main challenge is actually going to be in volume control of mm. how, do you, how do you sort through that sheer amount of like applications mm. uh, 
it was already a challenge with the 200 uh, to, to get it down to the final 24. So, um, so I definitely need to get some big partnerships on board to, to be able to make that dream a reality. Um, and, but there's, there's, there's strong international interest and there are some fantastic big organizations that want to be involved. So there's definitely, um, massive, massive potential and there's yeah lots of room to grow. I think in terms of what will be the remit of the prize, I think it will stay focused mainly on the prize and other like thought leadership events and possibly a podcast. Obviously, like I'd love, I'd love the next prize to be a hundred thousand dollars and be able to and be able to split it over, you know, five artists or 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 more artists or or the ten artists because definitely there's not one good song, um, and and so yeah, I mean, I I can see this growing very significantly quite quickly. So can we envision maybe in a five years time from now a special Grammy uh, given to an environmental uh, singer? Oh, f- f- for sure. I'm I'm sure that will actually. I'm sure that will happen very quickly. I've already. Yeah. I, there's 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 some major awards. I mean, there's a major award in Australia, um, and I think when I discussed with them, they were a bit like, "Why are you doing this? Why aren't we doing this?" And I was like. I think that's actually a very good question that you should be asking yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a complete music outsider, really. I, I'm actually very, you know, I guess when I've been talking to people, they're like, this is a global first. It's amazing. It's very innovative. I'm like, I actually don't think it's innovative. It's kind of a common sense uh, thing to me. I'm very surprised there's not a, there have been, I think, some smaller prizes that I've I've seen around, but nothing kind of substantial and ongoing. And I'm actually surprised that this is the first one but I'm very pleased if it's a if it's a catalyst um that that then you know spurs a whole kind of move in this direction mm, indeed. And, and thinking about our own garden or our own ocean the pacific uh could this actually be also a good opportunity for uh, pacific artists to be known more globally because that's something that they used to do, talking about the environment in a positive way in their songs and, and, and art. So would that be a good platform for not only develop our artists from the Pacific, but also to help raise the voice of the Pacific in terms of the discussion around climate change? Uh, absolutely. You know, um, so, so firstly, absolutely. I mean, if I had an if I had an endless uh, treasure trove of money, uh, like yeah. obviously there should be a there should be a major prize just for the Pacific Islands, mm. um, and that w- would be a challenge actually. Um, uh, if there's a global prize of like you know, I'm sh- there will be so many different groups and different styles from all around the world, all with of really course. you know important messages. But definitely, I mean you're on the front lines of the climate crisis obviously there are some fantastic advocates that have stepped up at UN forums and things like that but that's one using your voice on stage is one communication tool music film you know we need we need everything and so definitely um definitely it's an opportunity to connect I mean one of the we we deliberately included a um a song about the Pacific Islands and there were a few um that entered um I believe you might uh, we might discuss it, or perhaps it's called um, uh, Ta'u Tama, and it's by Small Island Big Song. 
and no, yes, yeah, small island, big small island, big song. <laughs> a collective of art, they're a collective of artists from all around uh, the Pacific and Indian Oceans, and um, they have created a whole um, album of different works um, from you know Taiwan and Papua New Guinea and uh, the Creole Islands uh, and different places uh, using using their voice and their music to kind of highlight the kind of common connection across those islands and, and kind of concern around these issues. So I um, I encourage your listeners to go and find their album and discover some of those uh, songs. And there are many, many others out there. Mm, indeed. Uh, and I can uh, definitely think that people may be more uh, connected to a song talking about the environment than reading the latest APC, IPCC report that can sometimes be a little bit too doom and gloom and may not push people to uh, engage and commit for, for a better, uh, better climate and better planet. So I think through your price that you, you can definitely help reach that point. Yeah, so look, we, we need both, uh, definitely. I'm, I'm, uh, for me, the most important people are the researchers and the scientists, but how do we make people emotionally receptive? You know, often we're bombarded with information and, you know, we kind of, people either don't read the news or like a lot that, which is a vast majority of people. And it's part of the reason why I thought the prize would be an effective mechanism. It's like, if people aren't reading the news, how do you get into their Instagram feed? For example, in Australia, uh, 87% of Australians follow an artist. So if suddenly their their favourite artist starts talking about things or shares a song, that's another way of reaching people that have tuned out. Um, and, and, you know, even if you are going to present the IPCC report, imagine if you had a Pacific Islander, you know, come and do a, or you played a song or something, maybe people would have their heart a little bit opened mm. uh, prior to, reading some of the headline figures and, you know, just be emotionally primed. Um, I guess one of the things that encouraged me to do the prize, there were a few uh, different podcasts I listened to. So one was called um, uh, Where's Our Climate Anthem by How to Save a Planet. And they basically went into the um, into the mechanics of social movements and there was a wonderful um, professor who'd studied, who'd studied, you know, the civil rights movement in, in America, but obviously most social movements have had uh, strong anthems to have a clear message, rally people together, kind of give them give them a vision of where they're going. And they were reflecting that there wasn't a climate anthem. And then Christiana Figueres, who was the former UN uh, climate yeah. chief, has her own podcast, Outrage and Optimism, um, uh, obviously is discussing with climate leaders and world leaders about these issues all of the time. They started playing music at the end of their podcast. So I was like, this is a very interesting development that that this person thinks that this is an effective um, addition to her like very time tight um, segment. And uh, and you know, she's always talking about like how do you get how, how do you get people to sign the Paris Climate Agreement? How do you get the Saudis to sign on the dotted line? And it's m- more than fact and figures. It's about you know a mood, whether it's like determination or belief or you know a vision you have for your children it's like and so I guess music is about creating the right kind of mood or mental framework for people to um, be courageous or be hopeful or you know get 
get into the get into the mood that's going to make them take the next step. That's true. And music connects people through cultures, so that's also a good way to get them together to fight together against this uh, common challenge that we all face. So, thank you for what you've done, Edwina. That's uh, I think it it is innovative because uh, something that makes so much sense, but no one really thought about it before, is uh, what we call innovation, probably. So. Congratulations on make, making this happen by yourself. And uh, and thanks for joining us on this podcast and all the best for what's to come. Thank you very much, Philip. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. announced it's time for you to listen to the song Tautama but before this a little bit of a background to it the song was written by Vaiteani but it's actually a collaboration of artists from across the Pacific and Indian Ocean artists connected to the heritage and nature of their islands sharing our love and concerns in the face of the climate crisis and other environmental and cultural issues Tautama is one of the 12 songs that were written collaboratively during the pandemic remotely and online from our different islands. The project was led by Small Island Big Song, a collaborative project of First Nation artists from across the Pacific and Indian Oceans, all sharing the voyaging seafaring ancestry, artists who carry the cultural lineage of their island home, uniting their music to share how precious their islands are and to make incredible music. So let's now enjoy the music. song is Tautama, which means my child. We ask a question to ourselves. What are we going to tell our children if we fail to protect our planet? No, yamare rete mata i. Yahayata ue proya ue tautama. Imara mara ma ora. Iata ata. Oh, <laughs> 
Pacific Talks is a podcast hosted by me, Philippe, and produced by Pacific Venture Media. If you enjoy this conversation, feel free to subscribe on any podcast platform of your choice. You can also share it on your social medias or with your friends, family, or colleagues. And if you listen to it on a podcast platform, feel free to leave us a review. This is very important to us as it helps us to reach out to more people. If you want to share your thoughts and ideas following this conversation, you can reach out to us directly by email, contact at pacificventry.com or on all our social platforms. Until next time with another guest, another discussion on the challenges of the Pacific. Take care and see you soon. Peace.